Welcome to more than a few words of marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg where we help small businesses become big businesses. This is Lorraine Ball and along with me this morning, Allison Carter. Good morning, everybody. And Allison will be manning the Twitter stream, so if you've got a comment or a question, be sure to tag it with MTFW. And our guest this morning is um, lawyer and social media guy, Keenan Farrell. Good morning, Keenan. Hello, ladies and everyone. <laughs> you know, we're the only ones that count. Um, Keenan, this morning we thought we'd start off. Um, let's start off with an introduction. I know that here in Indianapolis, everybody knows you, but in, in the larger community, in case there's someone out there who doesn't know who you are, tell them a little bit about who you are, kind of what you do. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm an intellectual property attorney. I've been practicing for about a decade now. I've had my own practice for about three and a half years. My office is located on Mass Ave. Uh, I guess for those in Indy, they'll know where that is, but for those abroad, uh, it's right downtown. It's Indy's Arts and Cultural District. And my office is a part of the historic Athenaeum. So a lot of people recognize that landmark. And uh, this is where I do my thing. And you know what, and let, let's go there first. I know I said when we were talking about the show earlier, we might finish with that, but you've deliberately decided to position your law office in the middle of the arts district. Why is that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, in making the decision, like I said, three and a half years ago of the, the type of work I wanted to do and the type of people I wanted to work with, uh, I decided I wanted to work with visual artists. They were underrepresented and I, I think still are underrepresented so looking around I thought where's the best place to be to connect with them uh, it also helps that I live on Mass Ave about a one-minute walk from my office so <laughs> that went to the decision-making factor but I had looked up and down Mass Ave for at least half of the year to try and find a good spot uh, to locate and into what I think is the, the greatest office in town. You do have a fabulous view, and um, I, I definitely agree there. So um, as you're uh, working with artists, what are some of the legal challenges that are unique to artists? Sure. So, uh, well, you know, they deal with uh, a lot of copyright issues, trademark issues, um, but they're not necessarily unique to the visual artists. Uh, the good thing about it is a lot of the things they deal with are the same things that any small business selling goods or services. Uh, that's really what artists are. They're uh, a small business selling, you can think of it, you can think of it as they're selling art goods or they're also selling art services, but one or the other, they're dealing with a lot of the same issues that any small business this is going to face uh, some of the things that are unique to them. Um, you know, you have special laws like the visual art. Hey, Keenan. You're breaking up a little bit. Want to uh, say that again? And if not, I'm going to give you a phone number to call in. But try that again. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, the the VARA is the Visual Artist Rights Act, and it protects the moral rights of artists. Um, but again, a lot of the issues they face are the same thing that all of my clients have to deal with at some point. 
I think, you know, one of the challenges um, in, uh, my husband is an artist, but it's a little happy, harder to copy his work because it's three-dimensional. But I think one of the challenges that a lot of visual artists face in the age of the Internet is it's so easy to copy their work. You see a photograph on a website. You see um, a piece of artwork. And people sometimes deliberately, and I think a lot of times innocently, don't know that just because it's on the Internet, they don't have the right to copy it and use it for their own purposes. Yeah, that's certainly the case. I think uh, where at least the clients you know, that I deal with, uh, uh, you know, they don't mind so much people sharing an image uh, so long as it gives attribution. I mean, as long as a person can find their way back to the artist's website, uh, you know, that's, that's what they want to happen. Some of the uh, more egregious instances, I'll give an example. Um, I work with a guy who, uh, I won't name names, but, you know, he paints uh, really popular, uh, bold, bright paintings. And he found uh, a shop down in Texas that had been taking his images right off of his website and, and printing them and selling them. Uh, and, you know, it's hard for an artist sitting in Indianapolis to police the entire nation to even know that that's going on. Uh, you know, it just came to him because someone he knew recognized his work, but that's just luck. Uh, and that can be going on, you know, pretty rampantly for uh, a lot of artists. And it's, it's something that uh, they need to, to get their head around and figure out you know, exactly how much effort they want to put into protecting their works or if they're okay with that happening. Now, you also uh, do some teaching at the, the law school and, and just in general talking to, to lawyers specifically about law for the art community. Yeah, so uh, again, like, like I said, when I was forming the idea for the type of practice I wanted to have, I realized that artists were sorely underrepresented in Indianapolis uh, and so I started doing it, but you know, quickly recognized that you know there are a lot more artists than there are me. Uh, so I'm trying to train other you know, football students and attorneys to to get in on the act and and help the visual artists. Uh, I've always thought you know for any industry to grow, uh, you're going to need all players, and that includes lawyers. Uh, you know, to assist with you know just simple adversarial situations to protect trademarks, uh, to pass legislation that's beneficial to artists, to make sure that, you know, arts funding doesn't continue to be cut. So I teach art museum law at the law school each fall. Uh, I do seminars for practicing attorneys on representing artistic clients. I actually have one of those coming up on Monday. If there are any other attorneys listening, that'll be interested. Uh, I'm also involved in rebooting the Creative Arts Legal League uh, Hall, which is a, a, a that provides pro bono services to artists and arts organizations. Uh, and so I'm hoping uh, with my efforts through all of those channels that uh, in Keenan, uh, you're breaking up again. You may want to uh, adjust your microphone. While Keenan is doing that, I'm going to remind anyone who's on the call that um, if you have a question for Keenan, you can push 
one, and that way I'll know that you're holding with questions. And you can certainly share your comments on pound MTFW on Twitter. Keenan, are you back? I'm back. I'm actually dialing in on the phone, too, at the same time. So maybe we can switch over. Okay. We'll look for you popping up there. But in the meantime, um, as your... All right. I'm going to shut the... Okay, Keenan, do we have you back? Perfect, yeah. Let the iPhone okay. do the trick. Awesome. You know, this is one of the interesting things about technology is, um, you know, how many options, and, and I love the ability to fall back to something else when something doesn't work. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So That was the um, first time I tried to, to do Skype but on a on a blog talk radio, and it, I was probably sitting too close and talking too loud, but we'll, we'll do this. No, this works great. Um, uh, okay, so we were talking, um, we, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of what's going on in the arts community. Let's shift back because a lot of our listeners are um, also um, involved more in social media in other areas of their business. What are some of the legal issues surrounding um, uh, the use of social media, things people should be aware of, questions that you get all the time? Sure. You spotlighted it just a few moments ago when we were talking about artists. It's people using images or text of others uh, without authorization. And for really the last decade or so, uh, people have been doing that uh, with you know relative impunity. Not too many folks have been getting in trouble, but uh, we're seeing more and more as copyright owners start to acquire better technologies for searching the internet and finding unauthorized uses of their work that the number of lawsuits are increasing. So I tell everyone that I can, if you've been using unauthorized images on your blog posts, go back, uh, revisit those posts and swap the images out with something else. You know, again, there are uh, a lot of images will usually do the trick. I mean, if it's the absolute perfect image that, you know, <laughs> tells, you know, a thousand words and that you have to stick to it, contact the copyright owner and seek permission. Uh, and if you're not willing to do that, pick a different image or, you know, even better, find uh, a local photographer. You know, we know a bunch of great ones and ask them, you know, can you get me this custom image? I need exactly this. And, and get their permission and ideally pay them so they can keep taking great photos uh, and go from there. So that's what I've been recommending to folks. I'm seeing too many lawsuits uh, pop up where, you know, someone had, a, had an image in their blog post three years ago, uh, didn't think about it at all, and now they have to contact an attorney, which isn't cheap. I mean, just, you know, getting to an attorney and having them start to work with you uh, it is usually cost prohibitive. It's, it makes more sense just to revisit your old posts and make sure you have you know, appropriate authorization for those images. You know, um, as you're saying this, very early on, on one of the very first websites that we designed for clients, um, we had, uh, you know, we, we were looking at images and thought that, you know, we had rights to all the images, and one of them we didn't. And um, we did have to go back and redo that. And um, 
at that point sort of made it a habit. Now, um, even when clients, because we had a situation where the client gave us the images and said, here, I've been using these in my PowerPoints for two years. Go ahead and put it on my website. And we did, only to come to find out that he didn't have the rights to use it in his PowerPoint, let alone his website. Sure. And, yeah, and for, know, for marketers doing that sort of thing where the clients are providing them images to use, uh, you know, there's there's a standard language that should go into that contract between the marketer and the client, you know, where the client is basically assuming liability for those images. You know, if they hand them over to the marketer, uh, you know, they need to be able to back up the fact that they have the authority to do that. Cool. Now, that, I mean, that's, that's really good advice. It's really good advice for web developers and also for, for business owners. Um, if you're bringing those images, um, have the rights to them. Yep. Uh, you know, so that's the copyright side. Uh, trademark is, is something I emphasize uh, usually day one, meeting one with all of my clients. Uh, you know, you've, you've got your company name, your product name. Uh, and actually, I was just listening to your show with Bob Birchfield uh, this morning, and he said, what's in a name? Everything. And I agree. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to find a unique name. So if you've got one, go ahead and go that extra effort uh, and protect it. So that can mean uh, a lot of things. You can protect it just in Indiana. We're talking to folks who are primarily on the Internet, so that's going to be all around, you know, not just the U.S., but the world. So I at least recommend they seek federal trademark protection for their name. Uh, short of that, everybody should be running you know a google search for their company name and seeing what's out there set up a google alert for your company name so you can see if someone else starts using it you'll know um i don't know how many folks are familiar with the website namecheck n-a-m-e-c-h-k uh, namecheck.com uh, name you go there type in your trademark and it will show and it's pretty nifty i recommend everyone just take a look at it it'll go through and search you know almost every major social media platform and then a bunch you've never even heard of and tell you if if your company name has been claimed so for example you know i have klf legal you have round okay let's use round peg if you type in round peg on name check uh, it'll show you facebook.com slash round peg you know, mm -hmm. not available, assume, assuming you guys have it, Twitter, on and on and on. So I say, you know, to all of my clients, first thing, type it in on name check, and if it's available, uh, go ahead and grab it. You know, set up a, a, a separate email account to just spend, you know, a morning going and grabbing all of the major social media accounts. Not that you're necessarily going to start using those accounts right away, uh, but at least you'll have that name locked down when it comes time to use it or at least prevent others from doing it. Uh, and it's Absolutely. an easy fix that can save a lot of trouble down the road. We've got a question from Twitter, Allison. We do have a question, Candy. Someone was asking back on the image rights issue, what if you do attribute back to the original source? Like let's say you wanted to grab a movie poster from IMDb was his example. If you linked back to the original source with that, would that be fair use? Is that okay to do? 
Sure. So that it highlights the distinction between copyright infringement and plagiarism. Uh, plagiarism is when you take someone else's work and claim it to be your own. Attribution will be a defense to plagiarism. I mean, you're clearly then saying this is not my work. This is the work of somebody else. However, it is not a defense to copyright infringement. Uh, you need permission from the copyright owner to use their work, unless you know they've they've used a, a Creative Commons license. And and for those uh, not familiar with what that is, it's a you know essentially an a, an extra level to copyright law by which a copyright owner can specify ways in which their work can be used. So, you know, it's essentially them granting permission without a person having to call them or send them an email and ask for permission. Um, when you do a, a Google image search, uh, you can go over to advanced search and, you know, search uh, by, you know, labeled for reuse, labeled for commercial reuse those sort of things. It's going to limit, usually, the quality of the images you get, uh, but at least you know you're operating in safe territory. You know, one of the things, and we have a few minutes, and then um, one of the features we always have is Stephen Shattuck, and I know you know Stephen, um, comes on with a half-based marketing idea for us to kick around, and I think it's legally related this week, Allison. I believe we're going to talk about how to improve some of those awful lawyer commercials that we see on television. This is the last time I talked to you. So, so, we're gonna, so we do want to keep you on for that one, but one of the things if you've gotten, and just kind of real briefly, you know, there's this line um, when you talk about, you know, plagiarism versus um, copyright infringement versus some of the stuff that people now do with mashups where they're taking multiple images, multiple video, multiple images, and sort of re-engineering them and making them their own. And the question is, where does it now become new intellectual property? Sure. Uh, so, you know, that that goes back to what you just mentioned, the doctrine of fair use. Uh, copyright law does have built-in uh, exemptions for, you know, that allow you to use the work of others for various purposes. Um, you know, research, teaching's a big one, you know, so whenever I'm doing a, a seminar or in my class, you know, my slides are typically full of all sorts of images that I don't have permission for. Uh, but I'm using it to teach, uh, and that's an allowed purpose under under the copyright law. Um, parody is one uh, critique, uh, but you know you got to be careful uh, when it starts to lean towards commercial use, meaning you're making money off of using someone else's work. That's going to go against fair use, and you're you know you start getting into an area where you could have trouble. So you really need to look at what you're doing. If you're just, if you're mashing up uh, two images just to make a joke uh, and have been put out there, you know, it's going to be a non-commercial use. You're not really impacting the market uh, of the original copyright owner. Then you're probably not going to have problems. Um, uh, it, you know, it's expensive too uh, on the, you know, from the copyright owner's side to monitor everything that's going on and go after everybody so you know we're not seeing that yet where it's you know just all-out copyright war but you know people you know you, you do have to think twice when you're taking other images and using them and I mean you know and, and I think there's a gray area um, you know when you're teaching at the university 
it's okay. If I'm running a public seminar and I'm making money from the seminar, am I using those images to make money or am I using those images to teach? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, you got to look at are you charging people to come in the door? Um, then you're probably going to start to think this is a commercial use uh, and something you're going to want to use. If it's uh, an internal seminar, you're just talking to people within your office, not going to probably be a problem. If it's uh, a seminar that you've widely advertised and are inviting people from a bunch of markets, then copyright law wants you know those copyright owners to you know either be reimbursed for the use of their works or at least have you seek out permission. Okay. Uh, Ken, this is awesome. We probably could talk for hours, um, but I thought we'd finish with a little bit of fun. Um, so hopefully, uh, with the magic of, of Internet radio, we've got Stephen on the line. I'm here. Good Hello, morning. Stephen. What's up? How's it going? Going good. Going good. All right. Stephen, so you, so you and Allison were talking when we told you that Keenan was going to be our guest today about half-baked marketing yep. ideas, and you had one regarding lawyer ads. I have I have some lawyer ad ideas for you. I have three. They're pretty good. <laughs> don't, don't, you lo- don't you love how he sort of preconditions you to love what he's going to say? Hey, I'm a marketer. <laughs> okay, go for it. I'll warn you, they're pretty silly, and before I get into them, just so everyone knows, I really think that what Keenan does is like the gold standard for all lawyers in terms of marketing and branding. So that's my preface before I launch into these extremely silly things. Even though Keenan is a Chelsea fan, that's the only strike against him. But. Let's get a shout-out to Indy Blues, the only official <laughs> supporters club uh, for an English Premier League team in Indiana. Chatham Tap every Saturday, every Saturday morning in the Palm Spring. We'd be happy to have all of you along. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. Number one. So these personal injury attorneys, they have these commercials. You've probably seen them. Yeah. Um, And they're all kind of the same, I think. It's just like, you know, I know what it's like to be hurt and injured, blah, blah, blah. Call me. I'll get money for you. I would like to see... A personal injury attorney make an attack ad, like political attack ad, against other personal injury lawyers. Because I can't really make a good decision about who's really the best. So I'd like I'd like to see some attack ads. That's that's number one. Okay, it's a pretty tight knit uh, community, don't you know? Um, attorneys, that we all love each other, and we we all have a picnic every every Sunday. That can't be true. I don't believe that at all. I'm not buying that. Because um, I, uh, I didn't get the opportunity, shall we say, to work with a few personal injury attorneys on some of their marketing. And there are definitely different groups of attorneys. And I don't think they all love each other. No, no, yeah. no. I will give you, uh, and maybe this isn't widely known, um, you're correct. A lot of times those ads are the exact same because it's you know, some ad agency somewhere, maybe in Hollywood maybe in Nebraska, creates them, and then the law firms across the land will just pay. So the lawyers you're typically seeing in the ads aren't even the lawyers that you're going to be meeting with or the ones that are doing your work for you. You know, they plug in their phone number and their firm name at the end of of the shoot, and that's it. 
And that's really one of the biggest problems with why most attorney marketing is so bad. There are just a few of massive firms who spit out commercials and web content and all of this stuff. And by and large, we've looked at some of their work. We've fixed some of their work, and it's lousy. It's really interesting in, a, um, in an industry where essentially lawyers are paid for their words. I, I mean, really, your ability to communicate and express your opinions, both in writing and, and, and in person, and, and some of these, you think to yourself, really? I'm going to hire this person to speak for me? Right. Yeah. I like that whole... Okay, so... Stephen, can I, we could take it one step further, like the political debates. We could have, like, quarterly... Ah. Maybe? <laughs> That's good. Maybe, yeah. I like that. Okay, number two, this is an idea for a publicity stunt. So one common thread you see in personal injury commercials is that that lawyer was has been injured themselves at some point in their life, so they have empathy for victims, blah, 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 and that's supposed to give them additional credibility. I would like to see a defense lawyer commit a crime and represent himself and get himself exonerated because, man, I would hire that guy. Yeah, better call Saul. I don't know if the listeners will recognize that reference. Uh, I've been I've been pretty addicted to the show Breaking Bad for Breaking the last Bad. well, yep. yeah. For those who've seen it, uh, this is exactly what we're talking about: uh, uh, an attorney with funky ads that commits crimes himself. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't envy uh, plaintiff in injury attorneys. Uh, it's it's a tough line of work. You deal with. The, you know, really a lot of gruesome things and, you know, people who are often at the lowest point uh, in their lives facing, you know, both physical problems, financial problems, uh, a lot of things that I frankly don't have to deal with. I get to deal with people who are extremely excited about what they're doing. They either have a new invention, uh, a new painting, uh, some great new idea. People are always thrilled when they walk into my office. So, uh, a lot of times, uh, I, I frankly just don't envy uh, what the plaintiff's attorneys have to do. It, yeah. it is, I, I think I do think it takes a certain um, uh, a different style person to uh, to do the, the different areas of law. I think you you have to have a certain personality to be a good litigator or to be a good plaintiff's attorney in personal injury. Absolutely, absolutely. There, uh, I mean, that's one thing. Hopefully, people recognize there are all sorts of attorneys out there. You know, a, a tax attorney uh, is going to be very different from an injury attorney, which is going to be very different from uh, a patent attorney, uh, or you know, uh, all sorts. Uh, and it, you know, it, I guess it takes all types to, to keep our justice system moving along. And uh, you know, I. I try to work with people that I like working with. I hope they like working with me. Uh, but there are a lot of lawyers out there, and I think uh, you know everyone should find a, a good match for themselves. Cool. All right, Stephen, we have time for one more half-baked marketing idea for the personal attorney, uh, personal injury attorney, or just lawyers in general. Um, perhaps once he's gotten himself out of jail for his crime. So this is more of a question slash observation. And I kind of know the answer, but it would be interesting to see someone break the mold. So most attorneys 
their their firms are branded by their last names, especially if there's like a partnership. So you have like these three and four last names, attorney at law. Why don't they yep. brand themselves kind of like ad agencies do? So like Roundpeg isn't, you know, Ball, Carter, Wolfgram, Marketers <laughs> for Hire, and Slingshot isn't, you know, Derringer, Bailey, Aders, SEO Services. So I would, it would be interesting to see a law firm brand themselves with just sort of a ridiculous, you know, one-word name or phrase like Sunshot or Sherlock sure. or Roundhead or something like that. So, yeah, um, so Ambulance Chasers.com, uh, Ambulance Chasers Incorporated? What's that? You're, uh, you, you can look for that answer uh, directly to our uh, it's in our rules of professional responsibility. It, it states ah. that we have to have our name uh, within the firm name. So, you know, I'm actually, uh, to some extent, testing that because I'm KLF legal. So what is KLF? Right. I'm KLF. Uh, you know, I signed a right. lot of emails, KLF. That's my initials. Uh, and I've asked, you know, a couple disciplinary commission folks that directly, um, you know, it's not it's not at the top of their priority list. They're worried about attorneys that are really causing a problem out there. Um, but that's probably why you don't see that more often. Okay, guys, I need to jump in again. Um, as cool as it is, we have 45 seconds. So quick, big thank you, Keenan. This was lots and lots of fun. Um, Stephen, as always, we love your comic release. Um, be sure to follow Stephen at, at Stephen Shattuck on Twitter and KF, uh, KFL Legal, KLF Legal. And if you'd like to learn more about marketing, networking, social media, and other issues, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of Thanks for Listening. <laughs>